Hey, before uh, before I begin, uh, Erica, would you would you want to come up and um, talk a little bit about? Can I move this over yeah. so people can see? Last night, um, teach me what I need to do here. Okay, I'm not an artist. Thank you. Um, my name is Erica, and I'm on the visual arts ministry at the Inn in Seattle. Uh, I did this painting last night during the communion service, and um, basically what it signifies is, um, well, Dave has been talking a lot about how, like, we need to recognize the presence of God in our lives and how, like, the kingdom of God is here, it's now. Um, and so that kind of is what I went with this. Like, we live in a broken world, right? And um, But God, his presence is like this beautiful thing that just grows, like, out of this barren place, and that's just, he's here. So. Thank you, yeah. That's a great visual. Thanks. Come on. Thanks for sharing your gift. Thanks, Erica, for sharing your gift with us. Um, that's a great image because, as Erica said, we do live in a in a, a barren, dry, broken world, yet uh, this fits so well with the way that Jesus talked about the kingdom as well. That it's, it's sometimes something like a small seed that grows up in the midst of it and becomes shade for, for all of us uh, to live under. So um, before I begin, um, I just wanted to say thank you um, for having me out here to, to Ryan and the team of folks and inviting me to come out. It uh, is an honor and a, a humbling thing to come out here uh, uh, one of my uh, jobs, my many jobs in my life, was uh, I was once the um, the copy guy at University Presbyterian Church. I made copies for the U-Men staff and the pastoral staff. And my uh, my uh, supervising pastor is actually in the back, uh, Tim Snow. And um, he was my, uh, my, my boss when I was making seven bucks an hour making copies for the church. And uh, is the copier still running okay? Good. All right. That's good to know. Um, so uh, <laughs> it's a uh, it was a, it's a humbling thing to uh, to go from copy guy to speaking to you all and um, just goes to show you President Obama's right we can do anything in this country you can be anyone anyway um, so anyway thank you for having me out um, I called home yesterday and uh, talked to Kelsey and she told me a great story that I wanted to share with you. Um, our oldest son, Hudson, if you remember him, can we throw him? There he is. Uh, Brasto man, watch out for the fruit juice that squirts out of the eyes. Remember that. No other superhero can do that. Um, Hudson is learning to ride a bike. And I know that some of you are like, ooh, seven, you know, that's a little bit late. And uh, some of you might know that, um, well, yesterday I tried to ra- ride this razor scooter down here and jump a stick that's about this big, and I fell into the thing. And so in my family, we're a little bit challenged with things on wheels and balance and stuff. So Hudson's just learning to ride a bike, and Kelsey went and got him a bike at our local store and um, and brought it home. But um, at our the store, there's also this little kids' play thing, and it's a thing where you can put in a quarter and you can get anything. And, and he picked out a... Um, a 25-cent gold cross with a black necklace around it. So my seven-year-old is sporting a little Christian bling. And um, <laughs> so, but Kelsey told me the story that when we have this driveway that kind of wraps from the front of our house around to the back where our garage is, and he was learning to ride his bike, and, and he, he gets really nervous. Hudson gets really nervous. Even Brasto Man can get scared. And... Um, um, 
and he gets really nervous trying to, we've been trying to teach him to ride a bike for quite some time. And, and, um, and she saw that, that every time before he was going to try it again, he would put his hand on that little cross. And she didn't say anything about it. Um, and then he would try again. And, and um, Hudson also can get a little bit weepy when he can't do something right the right time. And, um, and, and it was really, it was a tough afternoon, but he started to get it at the end. And, and, and Kelsey said something at the end of kind of this time of trying to learn to ride the bike. And, and she said, hey, buddy, I, I noticed that you, that, um, that, that you would put your hand on that cross. Tell me, tell me why you were doing that. And he said, you know, Mom, I just knew that... Um, that Jesus can help me with these things, and I just needed to remind myself that He's here with me. And I just, I just thought that's that's absolutely right. Even a twenty-five cent gold cross can remind us that God is with us. God is with us. He is here. And what are the things in your life that remind you of that? What are the flowers that bloom in the darkened places? that reminds you that He has not left you nor forsaken you. As we've talked about this weekend, I made this argument that that Jesus announced His ministry with these words. Repent. Change your mind. Believe the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. The end of the Gospel of Matthew, He says, All authority has been given to Me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I commanded you. And then these last words, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. At the beginning of the gospel and at the end of the gospel are these marvelous bookends of Him wanting to assure us that He is with us. Why would He have said those things unless He knew that that could be our greatest fear? That God has left us. And so without a doubt, He wanted us to know, wanted to assure us of His presence. And we need not fear Him leaving. So let me ask you, do you believe this? As he asked Mary and Martha at the death of their brother, do you believe this? Do you really believe that what you really believe is really real? Do you believe that he is with you? And what would your life begin to look like if you acted out of that reality? If you acted out of that unshakable conviction that He is with you, that His presence is among you, what would your relationships look like? What kind of student would you be? What kind of employee would you be? What kind of son or daughter, brother or sister would you be if you knew that He was with you and never leaves you? What if you began to practice this presence? What if you earnestly took upon yourself disciplines in your life to cut things out and add things in so that you could learn more and more and more the power of His presence and the presence of the kingdom in your life?
instead of fearing silence, you sought it out, embraced it, and discovered its beauty. Instead of fearing solitude, you sought it out, embraced it, and discovered its beauty. What would our lives begin to look like if we sought those things out? What kind of salt and light, to use Jesus' words, would we be in this world if we weren't in such a hurry and we moved throughout our world with that unshakable conviction that God was in us and was with us? Dallas Willard in that class I took made a pretty bold statement when he said that silence and solitude help cure Cure, busyness, hurry, and loneliness. Silence and solitude help cure those things. Busyness, hurry, and loneliness. Would you be willing to test that in your life? Would you be willing to test the truth of that statement? In the midst of a world of text, messaging, and Facebook, and social networks, constant communication and iPods and cell phones, would you be willing to test that statement? Because if any of us suffer from hurry, busyness, or loneliness, and some people throughout the centuries have discovered that there's a cure, meditating and recognizing the presence of God, would you be willing to test that statement? C.S. Lewis made a also bold statement when he said that only the busy are those that are truly lazy. Only the busy are those that are truly lazy. Think about that for a moment. How could he say that? What is busyness? Now, it will be hard. It will be hard to make those changes in your life. Because the world and everything within us tells us that our worth is made up by how much we do. We feel good at the end of the day if we finish our to-do list. And we look back on our day and ask ourselves if we finished everything that we set out to accomplish. So it will be hard to undo some of that. Of finding our identity in how much we accomplished in a day. To finding our identity in comparing ourselves to others to strip off those grave clothes as we talked about yesterday and find that life looks different by not doing those things, by not finding our identity in how much we do and how long our resume is. It will be hard. But if we are to be salt and light, witnesses in this world, to a different kind of reality, the reality of God's kingdom. It will take some effort, but it is worth it. G.K. Chesterton said that it is not that the Christian life has been tried and found lacking or wanting. It's not that the Christian life has been tried and found lacking or wanting, but it's been found difficult 
and therefore left untried. So I'm not going to lie to you that these kind of changes and things in your life will come easily. It may be five minutes of silence and solitude in a day. It may be getting into your car and instead of reaching for the radio and the volume button that you simply turn it off until you get to the place you go. And then that you discover the peace of a few minutes of quiet in your day that you long for more because you find yourself conversing with God. So start small. Be patient with yourself. But recognize that for the things that we suffer from, there is a cure. It's the very presence and power of Christ in our life. It's His kingdom amongst us. Last night, Jesus offered for us here, and He's offered it throughout the centuries, a tangible reminder of that presence. He knew that we would struggle to remember His promises and His love. And He gave us two things to remind us of that tangible presence. And last night, on these steps right here, if you came forward, you took of bread and you took of the cup to remember His sacrifice, to remember that He died and rose again from the grave so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. By His grace, He gave us tangible reminders of His presence. And on in those waters is the other reminder, the tangible reminder of Very cold water spilling over us to remember that we have been washed clean and invited into His family once and for all. He is a good God because He has given us these reminders because He knows how easy it is for us to forget. So whether today you are one of those that are getting baptized or not, reflect on what you see. Reflect on what you see in those waters. And realize that we all have been washed clean. We all have been washed clean. And He is here. He's here. Let us pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for setting aside this time and space for us to get away and to hear Your voice. May this not be a mountaintop experience or just another thing we check off a list. But may what we heard from you these last couple of days work its way like yeast into the dough of our lives. And may we rise and meet the world around us and bring flavor and color and life into our world. And as we've sung, not for our glory, but for yours. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name.